Welcome to the In All Things podcast. Here, we talk about everything from friendship and personalities to contentment and faith. Our goal, to encourage you to seek Christ in all things. Hey, how's it going? I'm your host, Sierra. Let's imagine you're in my living room and dive into real conversation. Welcome back for another Hot Takes with Sierra episode, guys. I am excited that you're here. And I'm really excited about today's episode. Over probably the past year and a half, I have found myself increasingly loving controversial conversations. I don't typically love confrontation at all, but sometimes I get really fired up about a topic and I just want to talk about it. And feminism is one of these topics, but more in the I am definitely not a feminist kind of way. I think that this is something that our society has gotten mostly upside down, to be completely honest. We have misinterpreted the Bible, we've become offended by those misinterpreted ideas, and then we've rallied our agenda from those misinterpreted ideas across every platform possible. And as a society, we have our own rules and our own logic that really doesn't have much consistency at all, and we've completely abandoned God's original intention for his creation, his original intention for us. In this episode, please understand that I'm not attacking a specific person. And my intent is not to offend you if you would consider yourself a feminist. However, I do want to point out the holes in feminism as a movement. I think it's important as we begin this conversation that we look at the history of feminism so that we can kind of understand like where this started and how it got to where we are now because today's feminism did not just develop overnight. It took time, over a hundred years, and it took multiple stages as well. So the first wave of feminism began in the late 19th century. This is when women began to fight for their chance to vote and started to argue for more equal opportunities. Basically, women who were fighting this fight were trying to make a simple point. Women were people, not property. It's a point that I'm pretty sure we can all agree on. And it's a point that we can see biblically as well, which I'm going to talk about later. Um, women's involvement in World War I actually kind of started to sway people's opinions of this and proved to others that women should have equal rights. Women gained the right to vote in 1920, which is only a little over 100 years ago. The second wave of feminism didn't occur until the 60s and 70s because between these two waves... You had the Great Depression and you had World War II. And those two events were basically all hands on deck situations. But in the 60s and 70s, the war was over and the next wave began. And a lot of traditional beliefs like gender role or family structures started to be questioned. Feminists believed that there were institutions that were oppressing women like education or the workplace or even churches. And they were kind of spurred on by the civil rights movements because those rallies and activists were successful in inspiring change. Reproductive rights were also an issue that they were fighting for. So the Equal Pay Act and Roe v. Wade, which essentially legalized abortion, 
were considered pretty big wins for these second wave feminists, um, along with some Supreme Court rulings that actually gave married and unmarried women the right to use birth control, which had previously not been, I guess, allowed or it was at least frowned upon. Then the 90s brought the third wave and women began embracing their individuality more and sexuality even more. Basically, everything was amplified. Reproductive rights, workplace equality, and now women didn't just want to be in the workplace. They didn't, they started to not want to be home raising families at all anymore. Feminists became a lot more outspoken and maybe more mainstream would be a good word. So like in movies and music, it was more popular. And now there's the fourth wave. Um, in 2017, a lot of you may remember this, um, the hashtag Me Too began going around on social media um, because celebrities started to come forward which then encouraged just regular people to start to come forward and share their stories of sexual harassment or abuse. And it was a huge, or it still is, a huge movement. And the goal is to believe women and to encourage women to come forward and not just hide um, their experience with sexual harassment or abuse. Um, reproductive rights that women are asking for are becoming increasingly immoral. And a lot of times it sounds like they've ditched the idea that women need the same rights as men, but rather women need more rights than men because women are better than men. But only four years later from that maybe start of the fourth wave, we've now reached a point where the term woman is being erased, or at least it's completely fluid. One article that I read said, fourth wave feminism is queer, sex positive, trans inclusive, body positive, and digitally driven. Do you see how that's progressed? 101 years ago, we simply got the right to vote for our government leaders. That is not very long ago when thinking about something like this. And now, womanhood is basically, according to our society, obsolete. Women aren't obsolete, but womanhood is. All right, so that's just my history lesson for the day. Um, last week, we talked about submission. And I mentioned how we often get offended by that topic because we misunderstand with our own cultural interpretation on it. Feminism is pretty similar to that. I think that as Christians, we can be a bit torn on this topic because on one hand, we do acknowledge that feminists take things too far a lot of times. But on the other hand, we also can see some of the good that has come from feminism, such as the right to vote or the rights that women now have to be educated or have any job that they want. And while it's still not necessarily guaranteed, we do have the ability to get paid fairly in our jobs in most cases. And I'm very grateful for those opportunities. But see, from the very beginning, God never said that women can't have rights. People did. Somehow in history, people got it wrong and had this low view of women, treated them as property, and placed restrictive rules on them. Guising it 
under what God said, but it wasn't God. So let's talk about equality first from a biblical perspective, because equality is the biggest push in this whole movement. Genesis 1:27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. 27 verses into the entire Bible. And it is made pretty clear that male and female are equal. We are all made in the image of God. In Galatians 3, it also talks about how we are equal in God's eyes. It says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And this verse in 1 Peter may sound like feminists could use it for their argument, but let's read it. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Wives here are referred to as the weaker partner. And so I think that women kind of get offended by that. But it's simple. It is just biology that men are usually stronger and physically more able than women. It doesn't mean that women aren't strong at all. And it doesn't mean that there aren't exceptions for this. But generally speaking, men are the stronger sex. But as this verse points out, even despite the difference in physical strength, we are all heirs of this gift of eternal life. But we also need to recognize that God created men and women different from each other. Not with differing values, but different. Where feminism sees this as a bad thing, we as believers need to see the good that is in this. The fact that men are, again, generally speaking, physically stronger than women, and women are, generally speaking, more nurturing than men, is a good thing. Society seems to just try to pit men and women against each other, but the thing is, we are not in competition with one another. God gives men and women different gifts to fulfill different purposes in his plan. Let's look outside of the gender situation. God gives some people the gift of being great with numbers and spreadsheets, so maybe that person's an accountant. And God gives other people the gift to teach, and they're good at writing. So maybe they become a university English professor. One of those gifts doesn't make an individual more valuable than the other. They are both valuable as individuals. They are both valuable to society. They have the ability to both be valuable to the kingdom of God. Now next week, we're going to talk about biblical womanhood. So I'm going to save some of this conversation for then. But men and women have such an opportunity to embrace their natural gifts that God has given them. For some women, that's working outside the home. For other women, they're called to be a stay-at-home wives and moms, homemaking and raising their kids. Feminists of today looks down on those who want to stay home because they're not breaking down barriers, so to speak, like they are. Yet one of the feminist mottos is to follow your dreams, only not when it goes against what we believe. And here's my issue with feminism, and at large with liberalism. It's inconsistent. Such as the example, 
that everyone in society yells equality and diversity. Yet the moment a conservative voice shares their opinions or beliefs, they are canceled and sometimes their reputation gets drugged through the mud. That is not equality and diversity. One thing that we often hear from the feminist movement is don't change for a man. He shouldn't be placing his expectations on you. You should be able to do what you want and he can deal with it. But at the same time, we also hear he is making no effort to change himself. You should leave him if he doesn't start to change because you deserve better. Women are not held to the same standards in feminism that men are held to. The same people who say that they believe in science fail to acknowledge the clear biological difference that men and women have. The inconsistency never seems to end from where I sit. And honestly, no matter what the argument is, inconsistency for me personally gets to me. And I have a hard time getting on board with it, whatever it is. And here's the thing about today's climate of feminism. The bar is always changing. If you're a woman, you're great. If you're a man, you aren't great. Women don't need men. Judgment on someone has nothing to do with who they are, unless they're a conservative. But it's all about their gender and their skin color, which we're not going to talk about today, but it is all intertwined. And now, society is erasing terms related to women, like mother or breastfeeding. And we're beginning to allow biological men compete in women's sports. But somehow, women are still better than men. Last fall, we had a major election. Just in case you forgot, it was a pretty big deal. No winner was announced right away, but there was a projected winner prematurely claimed. And after that, I saw many, many posts congratulating Kamala Harris on becoming the first woman vice president and congratulating women on this progress in our society. I shared some thoughts that I had in a post online, and here's what I said. I keep seeing congratulations to Kamala Harris for becoming the first woman VP, even from conservative people who didn't vote for her. First, she's not VP, at least not yet. No one has been officially elected yet. Second, and my main point, Have we become so hungry for progress that we sacrifice morality in the process? By celebrating that progress, we are celebrating what she stands for. If we want equality, for heaven's sakes, stop voting people in based on their gender and skin color. Vote for them based on their values. Harris is willing to allow late-term abortions even after birth. She wants to legalize prostitution. Stop congratulating women. This is not progress for us. I see it as a humiliation that the first woman VP is someone who stands for things so evil and vile as she does. And even now, I still stand by every word of that, as strong as that might be. Somehow, we've gotten to the point when we are willing to sacrifice morality at the feet of progress, and that is an issue. Now, we could get into a lot of these issues just under this one topic, like abortion or the trans and race conversations, sexuality, and it could go on and on and on, all under the umbrella of feminism. But I'm not going to talk about each and every one. Maybe if you guys like these hot topic episodes, we can do separate episodes on those. But I just wanted to focus on feminism today and how it's not a movement that's honoring to the Lord. 
and how we can gain a biblically based confidence as women and in our view of women. Because again, women are so valued by the Lord. We are so valued. And so as I mentioned, the fact that early feminists fought for our rights, I'm very grateful for. So that we have human rights to vote and to have a job and to get an education if we want it. But it's now been taken so far that it is no longer honoring to the Lord. And somehow in this controversial movement, society has degraded the importance and value of the family. Because women have fought for workplace equality, they've also now merged to this place of not wanting to raise families at all. Women don't want to get married. Women don't want to have children. Women don't want the responsibility of families because they believe that men and children hold them back. They hold women back from success and status and money and freedom. And then when feminists come across a woman who does want to have and raise children, we're accused of regressing their progress or we're accused of being oppressed. Here's what feminism fails to understand about families. Men and women both have the responsibility to raise the next generation up. And that is a huge responsibility placed on us. It takes men and women to raise kids in a healthy environment, even though our society no longer believes that. As a woman, I see this as a great responsibility, one that I would love to take on someday. I don't see it as degrading or holding me back. I would literally be raising the next generation. Another thing, women often either believe that they don't need a man to raise their family, which isn't true, or they believe that men should be the ones to raise the family so that she can be the breadwinner and have more freedom. Now, it isn't necessarily wrong for wives and moms to be a household breadwinner, but it's the attitude that she brings with it that can be detrimental. Because if you listen to what I just said, women believe that they don't need a man to help raise their family, or they believe the men should be the ones to raise the families. It comes from this attitude of disrespect to men. Either we're so great, we don't need them, they're unnecessary, or they're just these low lives that should be stuck at home raising kids, which also then has a very low view of children. And it's just this blatant disrespect that has come in our society. And as I just mentioned, women believe that they don't need a man to help raise their their family. But the thing is, they take it so personally as if somebody's telling them that they they are unable to raise a family by themselves. The thing is is men and women both are probably fully capable in raising a family alone to some extent in most cases, right? But most times when we are talking about this, it has nothing to do with abilities. It has to do with what God's design for family is and what are the outcomes of raising a family in a home with mom and dad. In Genesis 2, we see an account of the creation of the earth. And after God created Adam, he wanted to find Adam a helper. This is the word that's used. And this is the word that causes some women to cringe a bit and get defensive. Because similar to submission... We see this as being less than or subservient to someone. But do you know who else is described as a helper? The Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not insinuating that women are equal to the Holy Spirit because that is not the case and would be taking it way too far. But the same word is used to describe us. What it does mean 
is that just as the Holy Spirit, as a helper, is not subpar in the Trinity, women are not subpar to men in a relationship either, in a relationship or society. God made women strong and unique and capable. Yeah, we have some weaknesses. And yes, men have some weaknesses too. They also have strengths. And it's the beauty of God's design. Men and women complement each other. And we contribute different things to a family and the capital C church. And we do contribute different things to society as well. But once again, different or distinct does not mean unequal. We are both needed for kingdom work. A biblical femininity account that I follow said, The world offers dismal sameness. Christ offers true originality. Next week's conversation is going to be about biblical womanhood. So we are going to keep talking about this topic, but talk more about what the Bible has to say about women. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Um, Please go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform that you're listening on. Um, And make sure you're following me on Facebook and Instagram at inallthingspod or on my website, inallthingspodcast.com. Thank you for joining today's conversation. I hope this was an encouraging episode as you continue to walk with the Lord. If it was, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps with the app's algorithm and allows In All Things to be accessible to even more people. Share with your friends and give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at In All Things Pod on both of those and visit our website at inallthingspodcast.com. See you next time.